0: Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help, hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on my show is my personal opinion, and it's not a substitute for professional help. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this is based on my personal opinion. So take what helps and leave the rest. If you're really suffering, call 911 or your local emergency services. Thanks. Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and this is an episode I'm calling Easy Does It, and it's for dealing with a stressful life. So this is for you if you are feeling a sense of inner chaos or overwhelm, or you're feeling like you cannot handle all that is happening in your life. And maybe you're just getting overreactive lately, or you're getting that feeling of kind of agitation, or maybe it's panic, or... You, maybe it's the opposite. You feel just overwhelmed to the point where you feel sluggish. Like You get that hopeless sense that causes you to kind of procrastinate or hide from things or avoid things. And if you are feeling that way, this has a lot to do with your life circumstances but also your physical, physiological wiring. So if you are feeling that sense of, I can't handle things, Maybe that's making you snap at people, or maybe that's making you feel numb or very irritable or very controlling. Regardless, this is an episode for you. With that, there are three parts the what, the why, and the how, the tools. Part one the what. When life gets to be too much, like we have, you know, let's say a bunch of different circumstances outside of just the COVID shitstorm of doing a lot more without a lot of resources. Maybe you also have a lot of stress at work, or maybe you have stress because of no work, or maybe you have just gone through a breakup, or you're not sleeping well, and then maybe also someone you love just passed away, or maybe you have some old painful conflicts that are coming up related to a parent, or maybe you just have, um, you've been, your life has kind of been, you know, causing you to stumble a lot lately. Whatever it is, maybe it's just all of this, this interstate that's creating it. We have to stop and take it easy when life gets too filling or too taxing. That is when it's most important to remove urgency from your plate or that feeling of urgency from your plate. Uh, I've read that they say things that feel the most urgent are rarely important And the things that are important are rarely urgent. And yet we can get into that state where we feel like everything is an emergency. So when we get into that state of feeling like everything's an emergency or everything is cataclysmic, retaining our inner sense of groundedness and presence and serenity is of the utmost importance. And usually that's what falls away the fastest is like our our choice to kind of tune in and get into that moment. And I'm, I'm speaking of, you know, those times when you're starting to feel like you're underwater, when you feel like managing is too much, because when we get kind of overfilled, our plate becomes tipped towards that full side. And it can happen just with like one or two instances, you know, one or two, what feel like they're small things just gets the balance too far in the, like, it's too much zone and, and and that's in part because sometimes like it takes a reservoir of our energy away when we're just in that state of emotional processing. That's just when we when that fullness tips, we lose capacity. We lose the ability to just keep going. You know, to swallow it and keep going. And life at times, you know, the older you get, gets dramatic. There's more stress. There's also there's more death. There's more drama. But you know, life also deepens. Like there's more joy, there's more breadth, more truth. But I, I just want you to recognize, tune in for a second, and scan your life currently to see if you have that sense of being overwhelmed. Because I think a lot of people, especially nowadays, feel overwhelmed. They feel taxed, and it's from that position where you're a little bit underfoot, you're a little bit on your back foot, where you're constantly trying, you feel like you're about to tip over and you can't get your balance back. You can't get that firm hold on okay. And so I would say that's likely a huge part of what is happening right now is just that state, you know? So meaning I believe that a lot of us have a um, compromised baseline for emotional coping, so if that sounds relatable, I would say it's possible there is some uh, some stuff you got to take off your plate that maybe you're unconsciously uh, feeling like you have to hold on to. And there's possibly also some, uh, you know, underground wiring that needs just a little bit of untangling by relieving a little bit of the pressure that's on us. Um, and by underground wiring, I mean... Um, I guess you could think of it as old stuff, old baggage, uh, the metaphor they use with things like addiction and eating disorders or like bulimia, for example, is like, it's a pot, a giant pot of our emotions. And eventually the pot is full. So imagine you can think of emotions and overwhelm as like, um, you know, something that we have a giant big black cauldron boiling, like the kind that witches used to have and, It's boiling and you, you put something in there, you put the lid back on and you keep going and it's a very heavy lid. So throughout childhood, you may put my parents shaming me in there and you put the lid back on. Then you put being bullied at school in there and you put the lid back on and then you put starting a new school in there and you put the lid back on and then you put feeling incredible loneliness in there and you put the lid back on and you just keep putting, stuffing things inside and keep, you keep going. You don't think about it. You stuff it away. You know, maybe during this time you're also doing things to help yourself not think about it, like you're overeating, or you're starving yourself, or you're drinking, or you're using drugs, or you're sleeping with lots of people, or whatever it is. So we keep distracting ourselves from the overwhelming feelings that are stuffed inside the cauldron. Dot, dot, dot. You get older, and you're still stuffing stuff inside that cauldron and putting the heavy lid on tight, and then something big tips it, you know, or there's one big event that you, you can't quite fit in there. It's like you, maybe you lose, you go through a breakup or you lose someone in your life. And this time you try and stuff it in there and put the lid back on and keep going about your business. But you realize you can't stop drinking or you can't stop binge eating or you feel just numb and overwhelmed. And there's no consistent grounding that you can find. Um, or you can't stop blanking you know, and you don't know how you feel, but it's definitely not good. And that is because that pot fills up. One day it's full and you can just feel that inner sense of chaos and too muchness. And I'm speaking of, you know, pretty severe things over many, many years, but it can be small things and it can, it doesn't mean, you know, you necessarily have to have like an eating disorder or drug addiction. I say, I would say that we all have some version of managing that we do When we especially are dealing with lots of stress over a long period of time, or we're dealing with old, um, baggage of some sort. So the same thing goes for every one of us. And even if you just, you don't have a bunch of serious problems currently like drug use or disordered eating, we have whatever it is. If we don't grow up with a healthy acceptance and language for our feelings, and if we are unable to confront them with the help of a caregiver or a parent, you, you may have other ways of running from this feeling or whatever feelings they are um, when they come up. And that can be kind of an anxious, chaotic numbness. Um, And often the way the healthier, quote unquote, healthier ways that people run from feelings are often with work addiction or addiction to controlling things like our food, the type of food we eat and weighing the food, or it has to be this kind of food, or, um, we do it with sex or love addiction or perfectionism. So if you're unsure if this is something that's happening in your life in general, I just want you to scan your energy just for any, either of those two distinct settings, one being what I would often refer to as the high zone, meaning you're edgy, irritable, anxious, panicky, like you have, you're having angry outbursts, or maybe you feel manic, or what I would refer to as the low zone, which is depression, sadness, isolation, numbness, fatigue, exhaustion, procrastination, hopelessness. Um, so I just want to, call those two zones out as like, these are reactions. These are very common reactions that we have to stress and also small traumas and also, um, the aftermath of big traumas that were perhaps a long, long time ago. I'm just going to also call out other things that are very, very common responses to stress. Just so if these are happening for you, maybe it's not your fault. Maybe this is actually tied to something different. So thinking responses that people have to stress and trauma are paranoia, nightmares, forgetfulness. We start making poor decisions. We start having really distorted thinking, uh, physical responses. As I said, numb and fatigue, um, rapid heart rate, breathing problems, tight muscles, sleep problems, a upset stomach, hypervigilance, meaning you're constantly scanning for danger, 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 um, shaking, Uh, emotional responses we have, rage, fear, guilt, shame, apathy, anxiety, avoidance, depression, and then behavioral responses we have. We can get angry at others. We can feel isolated. We can start missing work. We can feel overly clingy or dependent. We can also feel irritable. We can have violent behaviors. We can have abusive behaviors. We can have eating disorders, we can have addictions, and then we can, as I said, feel hopeless and we can have experience a loss of belief or a loss of faith or a loss of hope. Um, And so if you're experiencing any of those things, I'm not trying to pathologize you and I'm not trying to say like, you have a problem. I'm just trying to say, if you are experiencing any of those things, there might be something you can do about it that isn't such a major move, you know, um, this might be because your plate is full and it's time to go a little easier and remove some of this stuff from your quote managing plate. Cause it's when we're in this state that things become inaccessible. The tools become impossible to use or the, you know, all the advice is just like not applicable. And often what we need is just to like go a little lighter start taking things off of our plate, off of our to-do list. Um, Which brings me to part two, the why. Oftentimes when we have this tendency, it's because of old wiring in our nervous systems. Like we, We will have early experiences that very much imprint the physical responses we have to the stressors in our life, big or small. And when something like, for example the desire to make things work or or say i can do it i can do it i can do it like that controlling personality when something like that is wired into us it can make us resistant to seeing a problem it can actually like block our ability to see things as problems um because we have that resistance to relinquishing control and sometimes that is because um to be weak or to be needy is it feels like uh, a dangerous instinct because it could possibly drive someone away. It could dr- drive someone that we love away or cut off our access to love. It can bring about that feeling of of powerlessness that is to a child very very dangerous. So in our personal experience, um, what we won't really be aware of that it can just feel like you know, when you're trying to put two opposite sides of a magnet together and they just don't want to go together. Like you can feel like, no, I can't, I can't do that. I can't ask for help. I can't be weak or I can't think about that. I can't fo- face that because it will mean like, then I have to admit, uh, there's a problem. What if I'm totally screwed? It's like, we have, we feel like we're admitting death is coming, you know, but whatever it is, And when we have a particular kind of neurological wiring, when we are imprinted in a certain way, it can just show up as this constant sense of danger, 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 you know, don't stop anticipating others or don't let them know the real you. And we won't even know why we have those particular instincts because they are somewhat invisible to us. So again, I'll just ask you to scan yourself for this type of voice in your head. Because our formative wiring has such a heavy influence on how we navigate in our adult lives and not just in how we cope with stress or fail to cope with stress. It also very much imprints how we um, fall in love, you know, with partners we choose. It's like we are noticing kind of a like kind of stress in the other person's upbringing, but the inverse. So like we have adapted to the lack of something that they then recreate and that means that we, what you each need is the need the most, maybe the hardest for the other person to give. Cause we are somewhat bonding based on recognizing the same lack that our caregivers may have had. And ironically, if we do start to receive that kind of love from that person, the thing we have chased our entire lives, it will feel very difficult to receive it. Like we'll have a resistance to it because in many ways we have adapted too well to its absence. But the good thing is we can become aware of these patterns in ourselves and we can teach ourselves to grow up by practicing new ways of being and forcing ourselves into the awkward feeling of like, this is this feels awkward and this feels foreign. And with that, we can reclaim a lost part of ourselves. And I'm speaking, I'm kind of jumping around here about different personality types, but I would say... Uh, how we deal with stress and how overwhelmed we feel about stress and how it affects our bodies as adults has very, uh, a very concrete tie to the types of experiences we've had growing up. And also our personality type in terms of how sensitive we are just innately based on birth. But Just to give you some context, I'm going to give you the 10 most common causes of adverse childhood experiences according to the ACEs study, which is one of the most extensive studies of the long-term effects of childhood experiences on our lifespan and and specifically our health. So common imprints are abuse, like physical, emotional, sexual, neglect, physical, and emotional. And household dysfunction like mental illness, divorce, substance abuse, if a parent was treated violently or a relative was incarcerated. And there's a very strong link between chronic illness and a high score on this questionnaire. And not to mention a huge increase in things like depression and suicidality and a tendency towards drug addiction and As an aside, uh, I attended an anger management training and I was really struck by the training not being about how to manage the angry outbursts. It was really just looking at the actual literal causes of the anger, like the, the real traumas that have set up the baseline state of anger and also the continued conditions that trigger it. It's so kind of like a no duh, just like this ACEs thing. My point in bringing up the ACEs study is just to call out that our physiological responses to our lives and our stressful situations are encoded by our experiences. So just that's where they begin, and they have whatever they are. They they have implications that last throughout our lifetimes, and what we commonly view in public life as kind of problems or you know somebody's issues are often our personal efforts to cope with all of the experiences that have overwhelmed us. So there are healthy instincts. There are logical instincts in us. And we may tell ourselves a lot of stories about why, um, you know, we're broken or what's wrong with us or why we can't change. And if I could just do blank or whatever. But a lot of the time, it's just like, once you understand the the chain reaction, you're like, Oh, okay. That makes total sense that I would do that. And then you can say like, well, what do other people that have that do? Oh, they try this, then they try this, and then they try this. Okay. I'm going to try all of those things. And then I'm going to try a different thing. And then I'm going to try another thing. And all of our natural defenses that we go through are mechanisms that we are using to help ourselves deal with whatever issue when it occurs. It helps us reduce our anxiety whenever that thing occurs. Or it helps us function despite them. And a lot of those times, you know, that means we're doing things like repressing things or we're rationalizing things or we're minimizing things or we're somehow soothing them. And I think when we have things like that are not serving us anymore, or we're like, you know what? I'd like to put this down. That's a sign that your body is ready to confront it. And you're at a place where you're stable enough to confront it. So that's always a good sign when you're like, you know what? This thing's bothering me now. I think I want to look at this and I'm terrified. So that's something in you is saying like, and now I think I'm ready to do something about it. And just to bring up when it comes to things like perfectionism or striving to be, um, you know, better and and not take yourself into consideration, or when you start to overcompensate for other people, or you cannot say no, or you cannot accept help from others, or maybe we become like super obsessed with other people's problems or controlling everything in our life. These two are coping mechanisms. And they are very much staving off feelings of fear or maybe it's abandonment or panic or worthlessness. And they are very effective strategies for the moment that those feelings come up. But I, what they, they would be calling uh, coping strategies that are quote maladaptive because now as adults, they are not serving us and they're keeping us trapped in negative loops of behavior that keep us with the short end of the stick. They keep us always wanting More or feeling like I don't ever get to have it be my turn. I don't ever get to have my time of, you know, being taken care of or whatever the thing that your longing, your deepest longing says to you. So I know I covered a lot of heavier stuff. It's not the most inspiring and uplifting, but. If you have any of this leaning in your life, meaning you are finding like you are this muscle that is clenched and it's unable to let go, or perhaps you're the opposite, you're numb and overwhelmed, this is something I'd just like to bring to your attention and ask you to reflect upon from a new perspective so that you can take on a new goal. The goal being, I choose to look at myself and help myself lighten my load. Easy does it. So repeat after me. Maybe my life can be light, light. And full of ease or lighter and easier. And I, I say that knowing that perhaps your life is very chaotic right now, but do know that the energy we bring to our life is a very large percentage of how we experience it, stressors and all. So key in how stress affects us is our perception, our, our perception of our own strength in that storm. So with that, here are some tools. Part three, the how, the tools. So resiliency is an individual's ability to identify and use strengths in, in, in order to live fully in the present moment and not be stolen by past stuff or predicting future stuff. So it's the ability to thrive while managing the shitstorm that is daily, busy, stressful, life so with that here are some tools for managing and also taking things off your plate all right the first tool is called alarm bells so when we are dealing with old wiring that causes our nervous system to get triggered a lot of the time when we are practicing a new healthy habit like self-care so let's say you are trying to do yoga You might find that your brain has certain alarm bells that go off and try and warn you of danger, and it's like a previous form of danger. In this situation I'm describing, it's the danger is loneliness or being alone or not having um, the the self-soothing habit that was previously so helpful to you, like something like an eating disorder or a drug that you're gonna abuse. So, those alarm bells will come and they'll yell in your head and they'll be like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, this is really bad, this is really, I gotta, gotta get your drug. And what I want you to do when that comes up is just recognize that alarm bell as like, oh, that's my old alarm clock from high school. And you can say, like, I recognize you, and I can tolerate you, and I will tolerate you, and just breathe into it and allow it to be there. And keep doing what you're doing. Keep going through the motions. And you can also say, thank you, but I got this now. I don't need you anymore. And allow it to pass. And I say this as if it's an easy thing, and oftentimes it'll be really intense. So it's outside of yoga, it's really important to continue doing grounding practices, anything that can help soothe and give you some um, like endorphins, like exercise, things like that and sensory input like hot or cold or visual input like being in nature and just keep going through that process of endurance and saying, acknowledging it and letting it pass. And what happens is the more you can do this and the more times you are, are able to move through it and, and see it through from start to finish, those alarm bells get quieter and quieter and quieter. And eventually they don't come up at all. So really simple, basic tool, but really powerful in this process in particular. All right. The next tool is called keep calm and carry on stirring the risotto or keep calm and carry on weeding or keep calm and carry on blanking. So I want you to make your own version of that now very kitschy poster that came out of, I believe it was world war II. um, When the bombs were falling and they're like, it's just like, keep doing what you're doing. Don't panic. Same goes for, um, when you are faced with a challenge in your life and when you are faced with maybe an overwhelming trigger in your life or that feeling of overwhelm, this is really what resiliency is. And it's what promotes health in the face of challenges and life stressors. When we continue taking deep breaths or continue doing the thing that causes us to be centered in the moment, in especially when our stress is occurring, that is how we actually increase the size of our reservoir for resiliency. If we can just continue to practice that positive action in the face of it. So I want you to just mentally make your own version of this poster, maybe actually literally make it like draw it out in a journal or print it out on a computer. But I want you to think about like, what are the, what are the resources that bring me into the present? For me, it's cooking hence the stirring the risotto, Um, also gardening. And I think in general, things that involve nature are very, very helpful. Things that involve physical repeated movement are very helpful. So keep calm and carry on blanking. What is your thing that can help you stay in that moment of managing, of dealing with the, the trigger? All right. The next tool is called grounding day, which is a play on groundhog day. So this is a tool that is in many, many different books. It's in the, the artist way. Um, and it's a kind of a, an, an, what I would call an annoying tool because whenever I read it, I'm like, yeah, okay, thanks. Not super doable for me. Not super helpful for me. Basically the tool is make one excursion a week that is just in service of doing something for yourself that is resource providing that increases your reservoir for calmness and centeredness. And I know this is like so much easier said than done. So I would also like to make it a simple half hour, maybe two days out of your week, something that's, that's super simple, but that you mentally encode as quote for me. So something that allows you to feel relaxed, feel calm, balanced, or in flow. So something that allows you to lose yourself. For me, that's a half an hour of yoga at home. For you, that might be a walk that's somewhere remote or coffee at a beautiful cafe, whatever it is, just block it out. Just try it at least this week. And just in the experience of that thing, you're going to immediately feel stressed. Like I don't have time to do this. Allow that to happen and then keep going. And, um, when you do this thing, whatever it is, immediately after it's done, I want you to record or just mentally make note of how you feel because these go so far. They, they're they such low investment in the moment, but they really go far in how they translate into your baseline and your ability to handle stress throughout your week. So it's actually so much more valuable and important than you realize in the moment. Also, I'm sorry about the dog that will not shut the fuck up. Um, all right. That's the next tool. Uh, next tool is called my staff of me, myself, me, and me. (laughs) So this is just a filter for you to apply in making the things you do important to you, because just like if you had a staff of people who worked for you, who allowed you to make things worthy, in your life of doing, you know, like, let's say you had like three different employees that allowed you to have this hour in the morning, be the time that you work out. And then th- those people also were on staff for you to m- make sure you went and got like the healthiest salad for yourself at lunch, or they would bring the salad to you, whatever it is. So I want you to mentally Uh, Refer to your priorities in life as if you had that many people you were personally paying to make it possible for you to do those things. Like by arranging things as if you have assembled all of these other people to make it possible. I know that's a weird thing to imagine, but making things important in your life is up to you. We choose for us to be important and worthy of time and energy investment. And with that, we actually feel more valuable. You become more valuable. Our greatness as individuals grows. So this is something that like you can imagine like a wealthy person, a very wealthy person or a very famous person. They're innately good at this. And we can take, we can borrow that thinking. We can take note of that and imbue ourselves with the same sense of value. So this is just a way of remembering like, no, it is super important. Like this is my designated time to work out. This is my designated time to eat. This is my designated time to get some sun. Like I, this is, I have booked this time for me. You can have the same exact sense of value and priority without the staff. I hope that makes sense. All right. The next tool is called find the inner light switch. So if, I want you to picture this feeling of overwhelm and being on the back foot as a dark room. And when we're in a dark room, we'll be feeling our way around and struggling and like running into a wall, we'll knock over a table, we'll stub our toe. And when we can get to that feeling of presence and spaciousness and resource just by lightening our load the slightest bit, that is what gives us that small crack of light That allows us to navigate through life in a much more systematic way. We'll see like, okay, there's a couch right here. Oh, and right past that couch is a doorknob. Like we can go through in order instead of stumbling and slamming our toes on legs of chairs. So we can be deliberate and do one thing at a time without hurry. And not be reactive to all the tiny pings or urgencies that come up along the path. So just know that there will be so much more space and flexibility and resources. Like it, things are so much more possible when we can realize that and when we can get to that headspace. Things become much more okay than we otherwise feel. Things are not as dire as we would otherwise feel. So one thing to just scan for if you are unsure if you're in that state is just notice your breathing rate. Like see if, you're, if your heart is beating fast and if it is very fast, that's a sign you need to slow it down. Just take even deep breaths. Come back to that's the more resourced place. If you notice your energy is very low on the opposite side, like you're feeling depressed or sluggish, that's a sign you need to energize it. Do some jumping jacks or go jogging or do some breath of fire. Google that. It's a great first step. But the goal is to, to get that crack of light in this room and move that way. Move deliberately. One thing at a time, not from that chaotic sense. Bring back that sense of clarity so that actions can be taken in the right order. First, I have to get to the do- the couch. Then I can reach the doorknob. Then I can open the door and my problems are solved. All right, the next tool is a journal prompt. And I'm calling it my tried resources. Uh, so I just want you to write down and reflect upon what are my personal resources. What are my reservoirs for, um, clarity and openness and a sense of awareness? Like, how do I get to my open space? Cause when we are in this other state, we're constricted. So here are a couple of prompts for you. First question, what or who uplifts you? Second prompt, what or who gives you strength? Next prompt, What or who sustains you and has sustained you in the past? And the last prompt is what or who has gotten you through the past hard times you've experienced that took you down? Like what were the things you employed that were very helpful in those times? And if you are hitting a brick wall with this and you're like, I don't fucking know. I have no resources and nobody. I just want to offer you a couple general resources that when you need to regenerate and you need new input, new material, a couple of them are creativity and flow, like things like dance or writing or drawing or singing. Another one for a lot of people is nature. Another one for a lot of people is exercise of some sort. Another one is meditation or prayer. And another one is very basic grounding via stimulation of some sort, like pressure, like a, you know, weight blanket, for example, being, uh, pressed against some surface, like the ground, bring it, pressing yourself against a wall, also temperature, things like hot or cold. So if you were to take a cold shower, um, and anything that is a, something you can really lose your focus in, like, uh, some staring at a piece of art, a color, um, a texture, focusing on a texture, etc. All right. The next tool is a filter just to scan your life. So the filter is, is it working or is it barely getting by? And this is for a person who is maybe a control freak or perfectionist or somebody who considers themselves high functioning and, or maybe you have a past I guess baggage that has been, has made you feel like, um, you overcompensate for other people or you are kind of the martyr of your family. So if you are a person who is kind of used to grasping at straws, you can unconsciously get into a rhythm as an adult or like a basic setting of I'll make it work. I can make it work. I can make it work. I can make it work. And you become so hyper-focused on that setting of managing you don't really stop to question, is this really working for me? Or could this be much, much, much better with a small change? Like, could this actually be easy? Could it be simple? Am I actually voluntarily keeping this hard? Just like it's very, it's nice to have, you know, nice stuff. Or it's nice to have, some people have all, you know, their clothing is impeccable. That is a decision. That is something that somebody makes important to their um, agenda in their life. They say, I want this to be blank, and then they prioritize it. So the reason there there are people with nice things is those people care about nice things. And I would say using that, a lot of people get kind of set on, um, they set their sights on unconsciously, problems or struggle or doing everything myself as an everyday way of life. Like we kind of get into that comfort zone that is discomfort. And every day you feel like this sense of accomplishment by having survived. But in order to see what's happening and recognize it, we have to make it our priority and our setting, like deliberately convert our setting to be not struggling and just like we say, we want to have nice stuff. We can say, I don't want to struggle. I'm going to choose not to be grasping and hyper-focused. And then we have to invest resources and energy in giving ourselves those resources. So we have to like make big moves often when we feel like we don't have any wiggle room or we don't have any flexibility, or we don't have any power. It's just a perception. We have to actually say like, no, no, no. I'm going to step back and make a big change so that this is not my default setting any longer. We can't, it's like, we don't even be, believe that it's an option and yet it is. That's something that's like, I think so invisible in our wiring is that constant, like, I can do this. I'm going to make it happen myself, And but it's not, not necessary. Along the same lines, the next tool is called maybe it's gray. A lot of the time when we get into that space of reactivity and rigidity, thinking it has to be this way, or I don't have any choice, or if I change, everything will fall apart or it'll be a terrible. The next time you find yourself really suffering in that feeling of powerlessness, I want you to ask yourself, how can I see this as actually many options. How can I see this as gray versus black and white? How can I see that maybe things don't have to be the way I am making them? Just take a step back and see if you can find another definition that's true. And my last tool for you is called Sarah told me to. I know that a lot lot of the time when we are um, new to a change or we're not uh, believing that the change is something that we want to try or we're you know, I'm saying like, well, but that would be great if I could. It's, we're hesitant to take things like this that I'm offering up and put it into action because it feels selfish or it feels like we're going to, um, waste money or we don't deserve to do it. So at the very least, just do this, one of these things as an experiment to see what you notice in the wake of the change. And often when we can act on the our, the wisest guidance we have been given, even if our bodies don't believe in it, we will realize in the moment how much it helps us perform better in the rest of our lives. And we can also realize how much what we were previously doing wasn't working at all. So whatever it is, the tiny, whatever random tool it is you want to employ, just do it because I'm telling you to do it. Say, Sarah told me to do it and just try it implementing it based on that, just to see what happens. So with that, before I close, I want to thank my latest sponsors, Ed, a new Patreon sponsor. Thank you so very much. And a lovely donation from Patrick. Thank you so very much, Patrick. And a new donation from Catherine. Thank you. Times a million. You guys help so much. And if anyone has the means, donations really help out this show. If you don't have the means, I totally understand. So if you could share this with someone who needs it or leave me a review on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate that as well. So in closing, uh, I would say this one episode more than anything is a reminder to prioritize yourself and your health because no one can advocate for you but you. And I would say as life gets more stressful and things get added to your plate, especially if this is in your wiring to take things on, as that happens just go easy go very easy and take a light step don't muscle it stay true to what you need because often others don't know what you need nor will they prioritize it and they'll just keep taking and taking and taking because it's often they're doing they're managing as much as you are so it's it's very much up to you to advocate for yourself and take things off of your plate and know that people generically, I would, I would say the masses don't give things weight until it's popular to do so, or it's inconvenient not to do so like with movements, you know? So people need to be educated often. So in light of that, it's important for you to advocate for yourself and make it quote serious enough to you, like really pay attention to what, when your cup is full and respect when your body is saying, I need a break. Or I need to unplug for a few hours. Or I really just need to read and take it easy today. Or I need some alone time. Or I really need to be around people, etc. And know that those little doses of easy does it that go a long way. It's just these small moves can make a big difference in just how doable life is. So with that, I send you my love and smile.